Welcome to Raising OKC Kids, Conversations with Metro Family in Oklahoma City. I'm Erin Page and joining me today is Rachel Holt, local mom and executive director of the Oklahoma Office of Juvenile Affairs to talk about giving back. Welcome, Rachel. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Erin. I'm honored to be here. Well, I'm excited to dive in, but before we do that, I want to tell our listeners a bit more about you. Rachel's career with the Oklahoma Office of Juvenile Affairs began in 2016, and she previously served the agency as the general counsel and chief operating officer before serving as interim executive director beginning in March 2020. Then she was confirmed in her current position in May 2021. Rachel was born and raised in Philadelphia. She earned a bachelor's degree in criminal justice with a minor in women's studies from George Washington University. After graduation, she worked as a domestic violence victim advocate in Washington, DC. Then she graduated from the University of Oklahoma College of Law with recognition for her participation in the interdisciplinary training program in abuse and neglect. Rachel has a passion for juvenile justice and has assisted in drafting legislation and policy to help Oklahoma become a national leader in juvenile justice. She has been named to the Council of Juvenile Justice Administrators Board of Directors as the South Region Chair and is a member of the Juvenile Justice Leadership Network. Rachel and her husband, Oklahoma City Mayor David Holt, have two children. First of all, Rachel, tell us more about what inspired your career in juvenile justice. Uh, thanks for the question. Thanks for that bio. I'm just like, I'm just Maggie and George's mom, really. <laughs> my favorite title uh, in the world. Um, what inspired me into juvenile justice, I graduated from University of Oklahoma College of Law in 2007. And I interned during law school and, and was offered a position in the juvenile division of the Oklahoma County DA's office. So prosecuting juvenile delinquents and youthful offenders and also assisting on cases, DHS deprived cases, you know, those really hard abuse and neglected cases. Uh, and in those years of service, I spent a couple of years there, took some time off, had my babies, came back to the office part-time um, and that was the, once I was in juvenile justice and saw that if juvenile justice is done correctly, it's collaborative, it is redemptive, it's about restorative justice for young people. These are children committing some very, very serious crime, and we have to hold them accountable and make sure the community is safe, but we can save them and we can give them brighter paths and we could keep them away from crime and away from DOC. So. It's always been my passion because there's such an opportunity to make real life changes for young kids and to make them better citizens and better Oklahomans and better neighbors. That's really powerful. Um, you know, so often I feel like as parents, maybe as moms specifically, we have kind of this division. We're mom and then we're at work. But I think it's so powerful for, for us to kind of look at that differently. So tell us for you how being a mom has made a positive impact on your work in juvenile justice and vice versa too. So I will say I was in the DA's office before I was pregnant, during pregnancy, and then after being a mom. And certainly in all of those 
I had different perspectives in each of those different points of my life and my uh, position in motherhood. For juvenile justice, at, in the juvenile justice system in Oklahoma, for our state level, the Office of Juvenile Affairs, right now there's about 1,200 kids across our 77 counties that are somehow involved with the Office of Juvenile Affairs. And the majority of them are on probation and supervision in their community. Uh, about 400 are in state custody. A judge puts them into OJ custody. And for me, they're in my custody. Those kids are mine. They're my children, just like the two children that live with me. Um, and when I go visit with them, um, wherever they're located, I am trying hard to tell them to do well. I'm asking them what they need. I'm literally telling them to eat their vegetables. Um, so I think uh, I'm the first female director of this agency. And I think I probably, in all things, bring a mom hat to it uh, in that I, of course, want the kids to be successful because that's what's best for Oklahoma, what's best for our agency. But I really have a, a genuine love for these kids. And I just want them to be successful from a maternal perspective, from, from them feeling very much like they are my children. That is really incredible. And I think a good reminder for all of us as moms that it's okay for us to bring that mom hat into whatever our work is. I mean, yours obviously has a very clear intersection, but I think we can all really reflect on how being moms does not detract from our professional life, but can add to it in really powerful ways. I think I'm a better, certainly agency director, I hope both for my team and that um, I, you know, I love everyone that I work with and, but I'm always remembering to give them grace and to give them affection above all things. That's awesome. So for our listeners who aren't entirely familiar with what the Oklahoma Office of Juvenile Affairs does, along with its community partners, the organization provides prevention, education, and treatment services for at-risk youth throughout the state. And this joint effort creates a statewide system that, like you said, supports and encourages these young people to be able to achieve their potential. So tell us a little bit more about what carrying out this big grand mission looks like in everyday life as executive director. Well, as I mentioned earlier, we have about 1,200 kids currently involved in the system in all 77 counties. I have, uh, we have about 500, a little bit over 500 employees that, that are my coworkers in this, in this work we do. And then we work with agency partners. We have youth service agencies that we contract with throughout the state to provide prevention and aftercare and counseling for kids in all 77 counties. I'm sure many of your listeners will be familiar with Pivot in the Oklahoma City area. That's one of our fantastic youth service agency partners that helps our kids. Uh, we always, the goal in juvenile justice has shifted in the past 15 years, where it used to be punitive and, and scared and, and lock them up and put them away and get them ready to go to DOC. We know a lot more about brain science and about mental health and about the developing brain and adverse childhood experiences and the common uh, background our kids come from. And so we are much more focused on treating the kid. And our goal first is always to get them in prevention, to have these youth service agencies that we partner with 
working in their local schools from, from Guymon to Oklahoma City, going into the local schools, doing um, different programming with those local school kids to kind of get them ready, talk to them about stress, talk to them about anxiety, get kids before they come into the system because of committing crime. And um, we have 10 contracted group homes across the state that we uh, place the kids that are in our custody. If they need to be removed from their community and spend some time getting some readjustments, they can go there. And then we have a secure care treatment center that the Office of Juvenile Affairs operates in Tecumseh. And so uh, we have a lot of different places along the continuum of care, a lot of partners and a lot of my coworkers working to just help these kids turn lives around and, and, and lead productive and healthy and extraordinary lives. I think we can all as parents relate to that need for mental health services for our kids and kind of like you said, that shift for all of us in that perspective of prevention, supporting their mental health, social and emotional um, curriculum and, and pieces in addition to what they're doing academically. So um, that's encouraging to hear about that shift. And I think after the last two years, all of us are in a better position to understand why that's, you know, how we need to be looking at this moving forward. What is happening next for the Office of Juvenile Affairs? What are some of the key things you and your team hope to accomplish in the next year? Thank you. This year, through a grant from the Oklahoma Medical Marijuana Authority and the Health Department, uh, the Office of Juvenile Affairs brought functional family therapy to the state of Oklahoma. We became the 46th state. <laughs> you know, we're always 46 and something. So we're the 46th state to bring this evidence-based best practice uh, modality of treatment. And so we, through this grant money, have put out requests for proposals and we now have clinicians across 27 of our 77 counties working with families um, in their homes. So with functional family therapy, therapists go into the home, work with the whole family, work with siblings in that home. So we're grabbing those younger siblings and trying to prevent them from ever coming into the system. Um, and they go in, work with the family about eight to 12 different uh, weeks can of course be extended longer. And it's shown to lower levels of recidivism um, increase community safety and just have really positive outcomes. And the kids that I've talked to that have been through just a couple sessions talk about it as being game changing. And so it's really exciting for the state of Oklahoma that we've brought this. Our goal is to have it in all 77 counties and to have as many kids as we can and families go through that so they never have to come into the system at all. And, and we would really love to see it as a preventive piece and to keep kids and families out of the system. We also just finished, uh, we had a ribbon cutting in June for our next generation campus in Tecumseh at Central Oklahoma Juvenile Center. So that is the one secure care treatment center in the state of Oklahoma for our highest level juvenile offenders. Um, all, but currently the population is all males. We have 60 boys there today. And through a $45 million bond, we were able to build seven new residential cottages that are high ceilings and individual bedrooms and natural light. And so we know that right now Oklahoma leads the country in kind of pretty buildings for secure care. Uh, and we want to lead the country in the treatment and outcomes for both the residents and our incredible staff that work there every day and really the hardest job in the state. And so 
we uh, want to lead the lead the country in prevention um, in the front end with that functional family therapy, and then for our highest level kids, we want to be give them the best treatment that they can get in that facility. So, working on all levels. That's really exciting. Yes. So outside of your career and your professional life, what does giving back mean to you personally? Thank you for the question. So I, of course, am a mother. So I think my biggest job is just to raise good humans. Um, I'm constantly, you know, they are 11 and almost 13. So I'm just constantly saying, be nice, be nice, be nice, uh, both, both with to each other, but then uh, nice to others. You know, that's really, we, I talk to them often about, uh, you know, go seek out that kid who isn't with anyone else. Um, for, you know, with, with David's position as mayor, of course, we get invited to uh, something every night. And he is the king at, at, at popping in and saying hi and popping out and being home for dinner or being home to drive the kids wherever they need to be. Um, I'm a little more strategic in what I, I say yes to. Um, usually, if, I, if I've said yes to something, it's because, you know, A, we're available and, and B, it means something to me. Um, I think youth and, and homeless youth are, of course, a passion of mine. And with my background in my first job out of college being with domestic violence uh, victims, the YWCA and Palomar are really important to me as well. Thank you for affirming for all of us moms that it's okay to be strategic in our yeses. <laughs> I think that's so important for us to all remember. Um, and when we're thinking about those things to say yes to, I think it's easy for all of moms in particular, but it's easy for all of us to get caught up in chauffeuring our kids around, making sure they have and are doing all the things that they need to do. And we kind of forget to think about our own talents and gifts and how we use those to make a difference in the community around us. So what advice can you give to other parents on finding those intersections where their passion and the community's needs meet? I think identifying what, you can't say yes to everything, right? So, and, and you can't give your time and money to everything. So I think identifying the real purposes that are important to you and supporting them either uh, by volunteering with them, giving financially, boosting them on whatever social media you have, just, just calling them out and writing kind notes to their directors and their, their staff, thanking them for what they're doing, uh, talking about what these, these organizations are doing within your circle and, and, and when you have the opportunity to talk to them. Um, for our kids, we're trying to help them identify what it is that they see um, as, as problems in the world and issues they want to they want to address and help with. On on that note, on kind of raising kids who value giving back and value serving others, I love that you are having those conversations at home with your kids. What can you give us some advice on? How do we talk to our kids about those things? How do we help them through that process of identifying? what's meaningful to them and helping them understand it's okay. That, that doesn't have to be the same thing that mom or dad, you know, finds important. They can find their own place in the world where they want to give back. They're, you know, in the school environment, they're learning a lot about 
different cultures and in different worlds and, and different experiences, which is great education. And of course, they're, they're meeting peers that have different backgrounds than they do. And um, for us, it's just been simple thing. We have a great friend, Rory Brewer, who collects socks every year for during Christmas for um, our homeless population, and she distributes them um, at the shelters for for Christmas time. And she wraps each sock up with a note that says you are loved. And so my kids have been every Christmas we go to Target or Walmart and buy however, you know, we try to figure out how many socks we should give and, and what this and they really put thought into what socks they're going to get and what are the warm socks and what are the comfortable looking socks and, you know, maybe white socks will get dirty, but we'll throw in some white socks and here's some fun kid socks. And so as they've been doing that, you know, Rory, sweet Rory's been doing it forever. And so every year it's, it's so great. They know it's Rory's sock time. We deliver a bag to her porch of, of our socks, but every year it's so great to see them be more and more involved in just the selection of socks and how many socks we're going to give and what those are going to look like. And they recently had a food drive at their school and Whereas I previously would probably just throw some cans in, in my cart uh, when I was trying to get reprieve away from my kids, you know, they were with me at the store and we thought about, you know, what are the best kind of foods for a food drive? You know, what's kind of a wholesome meal? You know, we looked at hearty soups, you know, that would be a whole meal in a can. And um, we, of course, had to throw in some Kraft macaroni and cheese, which is a food group for my husband and so they kind of thought that was funny and and they liked getting going home and showing David all this macaroni and cheese we bought and said it's not for you it's, it's for <laughs> it's for people that that need it you know this isn't for you um and so you know they're still 11 and 13 thinking about you know every season we still have to do it we're going through those clothes and 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 what what is too small for them and and we're donating those to goodwill and um thinking about things like that. And they know that that stuff is hopefully being reused by, by kids and families that need it. I think what really stands out to me and that we can all do it in our own homes is that, that intentionality piece. And whether it's a tradition that you do as a family every year to give back, getting to a place where your kids are really thinking through all of those things and, and where it becomes something that they're excited to do and participate in. The empathy that you're able to create through your kids um, is really incredible. And, and we all have that same opportunity, whatever it is that our kids or our family feels invested in um, that, that thought process of really thinking about others um, is the foundation of all of that. So especially for people like you who are serving others both professionally and personally, and really that's the life of every mom, right? It's, it's so hard to think about serving yourself first. So what are some ways that you take a step back from work and other obligations to care for yourself? And how would you encourage other parents in this season to do the same? I think you have to recognize that you can't fill everyone else's cup if your cup is empty. I mean, and that is not selfish or you're not being selfless by, by calling a timeout and, and saying, I need, I need some me time. I have three incredible girlfriends from law school. Um, we're the girls, 
Um, one lives up in Quapaw, one lives in Chandler, one lives here in Oklahoma City, and it gets harder and harder for us to spend find time to be together with our crazy schedules and kids and, and vacations and work. Um, but this Sunday, the four of us will be together all day and we just sit together and just talk about everything. And we sometimes eat at restaurants, we sometimes go away for a night or two, sometimes go away for larger vacations, but that being with those three women um, that I've now known for since 2004 fills my cup. And one of us will say, hey, like, I need you guys, you know, we need to be together. And, and we try to get together as soon as possible. So they definitely refill me. I grew up loving to read and being a big uh, reader, leisure reading. And I'm getting back into that. I've got my Nook. I've got my Libby app from the Metro Library, which is incredible. You just get your eBooks just come to you. You don't even have to go to the library, don't it? But of course, libraries are awesome, but this just comes to you. And um, so that's been awesome. So I've tried to be more intentional and in, in sitting down and taking some time and, and reading a book instead of scrolling with my phone. Um, just, just taking the little things. I think it's important for, uh, as a married person to be sure that with all the obligations you have every once in a while, you're putting in a date night. Um, that's just the two of you try not to talk about kids, just try to have fun, eat a good meal, take a time out. Um, just, I think, uh, especially moms have to realize that, that saying, I, I need a few minutes. I need a day. I need a pedicure is, is the best thing you could do for your family and not selfish in any way. Um, and, and it'll make you better in the end. Absolutely. It's so important to remember. So as we are looking toward a new year in Oklahoma City, whether it's in your career, at home, out in the community, where are you finding hope right now? Holiday season is upon us. So I feel like that's always an exciting time because you get together with family and you, you eat well and, and you kind of reflect on your year. Um, I work with young people. I live with young people and so uh, the futures that they can have and, and the futures that are undetermined gives me hope because what they could do. Um, I am from Philadelphia, so the Phillies uh, going all the way to the World Series, but uh, losing to the Astros, still a lot of hope. And of course my Philadelphia Eagles are eight and oh, so, so have a lot of hope for a Super Bowl, for another Super Bowl win. Um, yeah, I think also, you know, we are recording this on November 7th, tomorrow is an election day. And you know whatever those results are, I really hope uh, we have a high voter turnout. I really um, think a high voter turnout, showing that people are engaging in democracy in the process, uh, fills me with hope that that there's first-time voters out there, that there's engaged voters out there, and um, going and, and using their voice to to say what kind of a state and country they want. Absolutely. Thank you for giving us hope today, Rachel. This has been such a fun and powerful conversation and such great reminders for all of our families about kind of moving with that intentionality this season and, and teaching that to our kids as well. Well, thank you for having me. I love Metro Family Magazine. Use it for a source for all the things. Appreciate mm -hmm. it. We love to hear that. Thank you. Thank and for you. our listeners, you can learn more about the Oklahoma Office of Juvenile Affairs, their work, and how you can help support their mission at oklahoma.gov slash OJA. Thanks everyone for listening. Join us next time for Raising OKC Kids.